We've been doing our series on faith, and we're going to end this series today. Not that we're through talking about faith, but in this particular series in our study on faith, we're going to finish today. And just to give us a, a reminder, we began weeks and well, months ago now, what faith is and what faith isn't. Okay, faith, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Then we've talked about what faith obtains. It obtains a good report. By it, the elders obtained a good report. A testimony for God. His, his uh, view of us or his, uh, uh, what He would speak over our lives and then our testimony for Christ. And then we talked about uh, faith, how it comes. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Our faith is built up as we trust God, as we read His Word, study His Word, meditate on His Word, and then walk in the light of His Word. Our faith is built up. Amen? Then we talked about saving faith. Not that it's any different than any other type of genuine faith, but there's the necessity of true faith to be born again. To trust Christ as Savior. And we talked about living faith in James versus a dead faith. Uh, versus just a mere profession of faith. Oh, I believe. And yet there's no evidence in your life. We talked about a living faith. We talked about faith uh, two weeks ago as the only way to please God. But without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For he that comes to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. And, and then uh, last week we talked about living by faith or walk of faith. That it's necessary. The Bible says the just shall live by faith. It is a walk. It's a day-to-day getting up. I was saved 20 years ago, 5 years ago, 50 years ago, and I trusted Christ then. Well, He wants us to wake up this morning and trust Him today. He wants us to wake up this morning and trust God for uh, things we're dealing with, uh, problems, family issues, uh, whatever it may be, economic things, financial things. He wants us to trust God. We're going to step out and minister at the nursing home. We've never done that before. He wants us to trust God for that. That's a living faith and it's a walk of faith. And today we're going to talk about uh, another in, in our last portion of this study. Now I want you to turn with me to Galatians chapter 5. You know, I, I love talking about faith because to me it's very practical. It's very real. It's very everyday. The whole walk that, that you and I have with God is a walk of faith. It really is. There's not a physical kingdom of Jesus set up on the earth. You know what I'm saying? We don't go to His home every night and stay there. Uh, but yet He's with us. And, he, and we walk with Him by faith. We walk with Him in light of His Word right here. It's very practical. It's very helpful to me. I need my faith in, built up daily. I need my faith to be strengthened by God every day. And He's the one to do it. Let's look at this in, in uh, Galatians chapter 5, verses 5 and 6, but primarily verse 6 is going to be our text. For we through the Spirit wait, and there will be hope, there will be trusting and faith there. Wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. And that little phrase there is what the whole message today is going to be about. At the end it says, but faith which works by love. Now, that might be 
something you're familiar with and you've studied. It might be something you haven't given a great deal of thought to. But the Bible says here that faith, which we've been talking about for seven weeks, okay, works by love. And I wanted to see what that, what is it God is saying? What is He trying to teach us by this? So I looked up the word work, faith which worketh, it says in King James, by love. And work here means to be active, to be efficient, to be effectual, to do, to be mighty in. And I like these last few definitions. To me, starts to make it more clear. To be mighty in. And that would make more sense. Faith is mighty in love. And one of the definitions says to show forth self. Faith shows forth itself in love. And it, it works effectually in love. Faith works by love. So it's active. It's mighty. Faith shows forth itself in love. And oftentimes we may not, maybe you have, but I haven't always put faith and love together. They're both of God. You know, I thank the Lord for both of them. And we'll talk more about that. But I think of faith a lot of times. I don't think of it in connection with love. I don't just naturally in my walk with God, group those two things together, faith and love. But the Bible says faith works by love. And, you know, I think of faith to move mountains. You know what I'm saying? I, Lord, give me faith to, to go out and witness to these lost people. Give me faith to believe you for X, Y, Z, what, what I'm praying for. And uh, I think of, of uh, faith, you know, in the, in the saints of old with David killing Goliath. You know, he had to have a lot of faith or to grab a bear that stole one of the sheep and kill the bear. Go after it. Literally grab a bear and kill it. Now God gave him the strength to do it, but He gave him the faith to do it. I think about faith to move mountains and do miracles and even to be saved and to overcome great adversities. But God says that faith works by love. Faith works by love. And I, I was thinking about two things. If if the Bible says, and it does, Jesus was asked, Lord, what's the first and greatest commandment? He says the first and great commandment is this, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God. So this is the grace. It doesn't mean the others are unimportant. It doesn't mean they're not commandments. It doesn't mean we have to ignore them. But He gets right to the heart of the matter, and it's love. The first and great commandment is, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God, with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. Okay? And then we're told, which we've been talking about a lot in this series, that without faith it's impossible to please God. So, the first commandment, Jesus said, was to love the Lord your God. And then we're told in Hebrews, without faith it's impossible to please God. So would you say that they're both necessary? They're both necessary on my part as a human being to have faith in God because without faith, I cannot please Him. And whatever is not of faith is sin. Okay? And that the first and greatest commandment is to love the Lord with all of our heart, soul, and mind. The Lord reveals the necessity of true love. I believe what He's saying in that passage from Galatians is the true uh, need for love in our faith. In other words, uh, the love of God in our hearts. It's not just faith to move mountains. It's, it's love in our hearts as we trust in God, as we serve God. 
the love in our hearts as a motivation for a walk of faith. Does that make sense? Love in our heart. You know, we, we picture, you know, some staunch uh, dogmatic religion. I think of Islam, okay? Where they're not interested in love at all. That's not part of the equation. There's, I forgot how many different names for Allah and the Quran. None of them is love, by the way. And so they are, they're about submission to and getting used to submit to. Love is not important. It's not part of the equation. It's getting you to submit to Islam, to Allah. In their own personal lives, submitting to that. In their culture, submitting to that. And getting the world to submit to that. But God says here in His Word, His true Word, that faith works by love. And so my faith in the Lord, He wants it to be all motivated with the overall supreme goal and motivation of all that we do by faith to be love. Love for God. Love for men in the name of the Lord. Okay? He wants that to be the motivation in our, our service to God, in our daily walk with the Lord, in our service to others in the name of the Lord, uh, in carrying out the Great Commission. We do have marching orders, amen, from the Lord. In our religion, in our faith, which is the true faith and the true living God, He said, go into all the world and preach this gospel. Lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the earth. Make disciples of all men, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And so He sends us forth. We have marching orders. But in that faith, it's a walk of faith to go do that, right? We're going up against demons and devils and and principalities and powers and, and all kinds of things that appear to be greater than us like Goliath appeared to be greater than David. So we have to walk it out by faith. But overriding all of that and in all of that, in every bit, moved with compassion, a love for God. Faith works by love. It works by love. And God wants us to know that in carrying that out. And so I just want to read this uh, scripture, you don't have to turn there, but 1 Peter 1 8 says, Whom having not seen, speaking of the Lord, we haven't seen him yet, right? Physically, we haven't seen him. And whom having not seen, you love. And whom though you see him not, now you see him not, yet believing, there's the faith, you receive with joy unspeakable and full of glory. We're loving, and there's faith in love. Whom having not seen, you love. And whom, though now you see him not yet believing, is there, do you believe in God? Do you believe in Jesus? Do you believe in the Bible? Are you born again? Have you given your life to Christ? You believe in the Lord. Sometimes your faith is stronger than others, but you believe. And we haven't seen him yet, yet we love him. That is a motivation in our heart that God wants there to be. It's the first and greatest commandment to love the Lord. And the second is like unto it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There has to be that love and not just faith to move mountains, but a love in, in our hearts from the Lord motivating what we do. It's not simply a job. If you're going to teach a Sunday school class, if you're going to witness to a family member or someone at work or hand out a track, or you're going to go on a mission trip or go to the nursing home today, this is not simply a job that I'm doing my Christian duty. 
It is a Christian duty. But God's not pleased with us merely doing a Christian duty. That All that would just be burned up if we're simply like, I'm going to get this and check it off my list. Just like i got to cut the grass today. That's a big one I cut off every week. All right? Check it off. Check it off. I've done weeded it. Now I'll cut the grass. Now I'll pull the weeds, which is my least favorite. And, and uh, I'll get it out of the way. God doesn't want us to serve Him in that way. Faith works by love. Okay? And so coming to Christ is not, okay, now I'll serve Him uh, just out of mere duty and not like I'm earning a paycheck. I'm just off to work and I can't wait to leave work. It's not that way with the Lord. We came into a relationship with the Lord. He radically transformed our, and is transforming our lives. It is a new life. It is because He loves us. God so loved the world, He gave. We can love Him because He first loved us. And there's a new heart that He's given everyone that's born of Him. Everyone that's born again has a new heart. Not a new blood pumping muscle, but a new heart as far as what we love, our affections, our desires. We love what He loves. We hate what He hates. Or He's helping us to do that more and more. He lives through us and Christ loves through us. I always ask Him to do that. I always say, Lord, would You love through me? And then I always remind myself and the Lord, like He doesn't, he hasn't forgotten it, but I forget it sometimes. Lord, You have no difficulty in loving people. I do. You know, we're getting ready to go to Foxy's. I always use that for example because that's one area of my life where I'm regularly and consistently around people that uh, I wouldn't normally be around. Okay? To just leave it at that. They're just people that wouldn't be in my circle, in my church, and so forth normally. And I'm going to people and I always say, Lord, give me your love and compassion for these children that are out here. They curse. They know words I don't even know. You know what I'm saying? They curse. They don't know who their parents are. They don't know who they're going to be living with a week from now. Uh, they steal. They, that's the only one bag of chips. You'll catch them running off with two more stuffed in their pants pocket or in their shirt. And I, I don't let them do it. I tell them that's not of the Lord, but I still love them. God, give me your love and compassion for them. Uh, and He does. He's able to do that. And the Bible says, and I love this, that the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. The love of God is shed abroad. So just picture it just being poured out. You know, hitting every little area of my heart. Just shed abroad in our hearts by specifically by the Holy Ghost. Well, I have to have faith in God. I've got to be born again. It's not enough to be sitting on the outside respecting Christianity and think, you know, this is a good sermon about love. I'd like to love people more. You've got to be in Christ. You've got to be born again. Because it is a working of Christ in our hearts. It is a working of the Holy Spirit. One of His names is the Spirit of love that's poured out in our hearts and shed abroad by the Holy Ghost. And so, the Lord does that. Now note, what's the most famous love chapter in the Bible? Everybody knows it, right? Every, right, 1 Corinthians 13, every wedding, you probably hear something from this, and we should. It's a wonderful chapter. It's 13 verses in 1 Corinthians 13. I want to read, uh, just for time's sake, verses 2 and 3. Now, we're talking about faith working by love. And though I have the gift of prophecy, 
right? I have this gift, a gift of the Holy Spirit. We've studied the gifts of the Spirit that are given by the Spirit to the church. So they're saved people. If I have the gift of prophecy, it's really the gift of prophecy and not a false prophet, then it's from the Lord and I had to be born again. Okay? Though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, so that I could remove mountains. I mean, faith to really move a mountain as God would lead me to do that, and have not charity or love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, it's generosity. And you can do that in Jesus' name and throw that phrase on it. And though I give my body to be burned, well, we can't get much more than that, right? In this life, give my body to be burned and I have not love, it profits me nothing. So he talks about I have faith to move mountains if I do, but I don't have love, I am nothing. And I have faith to give all that I have and even my life for this cause and have not love, it profits me nothing. And it helps me to see. So I was studying this. Faith works by love. It's important to the Lord. It's important to the Lord that it be in love. And faith and love are not the same thing. Okay? There's, faith is faith and love is love. But they're both of God. And they're both from God. And they're necessary to have a walk with God and a relationship with God. Amen? They're both necessary. There's no question about it. But I want us to look at this. Turn with me in your Bibles. And I want to read, I was praying for, Lord, show me in the Bible an example of this. I mean, I read from 1 Corinthians 13, which is perfect, and, and in Galatians, where we opened, and I, and I believe the Lord led me to this. In Luke chapter 9, we're going to pick up and, and read in verse 51. Luke 9.51 And it came to pass when the time was come that He, as the Lord, should be received up. So it's getting close to the time where He's going to be having the Last Supper and going to the cross. I don't know exactly how long it was before, but He knew it's getting close and I need to get back to Jerusalem. It says, um, to be received up. He steadfastly set His face it was like a purposing in his heart and his mind, I'm going to Jerusalem. Alright? To go to Jerusalem. And he sent messengers before his face and they went and entered into a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him. So wherever he was, he was going from where he was and he had it pass through Samaria to get back to Jerusalem. And they did not receive him. In Samaria, they did not receive him because his face was as though he would go to Jerusalem. So there was something about him in his speech, his character, his demeanor that the Lord was passing through Samaria, but he wasn't going to set up shop right there at this time. At this time, it was time for him to be in Jerusalem. Okay, so look, that's not really, I just want us to understand that. So they didn't receive him. That's what I want us to see. He goes to Samaria. They don't receive him. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, it's like they took it personally for his sake. Okay? And there's really nothing wrong with that. But they said, Lord, wilt thou that we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them, even as Elijah did? All right, so 
This is what they literally, they weren't being joking. They were saying, Lord, Elijah called down fire from heaven. He consumed, I think it was three groups of 50 Syrians that came to him to take him. And uh, he says, these two brothers, Lord, do you want us to call down a command, fire to come down from heaven to consume them like Elijah? But he turned and rebuked them and said, you know not what manner of spirit you are of. For the spirit of the Son of Man has not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went to another village. Okay, so what does this have to do with faith working by love? Here's what I believe. James and John at this moment, their Lord was disrespected. And you can notch that up a few words, whatever you he was rejected. They didn't receive the Messiah. He was the Messiah. They were his disciples. Okay? And he was rejected. They didn't receive the Christ. These people didn't. And they said, you want us to call down fire from heaven. Evidently, they had the faith to believe. Faith to believe God, like Elijah, to send down fire from heaven to consume these Christ rejectors. But what they didn't have at this time, at this moment, I'm not saying they never had in their lives, okay? What they didn't have at this moment was their faith was not working by love. They didn't have God's heart on the matter. God's heart on the matter, He could destroy them if He wanted to. Okay? He didn't need James and John to do it. He could have called down fire. And even Jesus uh, going, uh, being arrested in the garden. He says, don't you think now I could even call legions of angels that would rescue me from the hands of these few soldiers that have come? Even on the cross, He could have cried out and been rescued had He chosen to do that. We know He didn't. He said, not my will, but Thy will be done. The point is, they had faith to believe God to send down and that they could actually call down fire from God out of heaven to consume people. That's faith. Elijah did it. At least twice that we know of. But they did not have the, heart, the Lord's heart of love at this moment in their faith. Their faith was not working by love. Their faith was not showing forth itself by love. Jesus said, my first coming, He didn't come to, to kill anybody to destroy men's lives. He came to save men's lives. He came to be the Savior of the world. He came to seek and save the lost. He came to be a propitiation for the sins of the world. He came to destroy the works of the devil at His first coming. I know that because everything I just said, He said of Himself. Or the, the Word of God says about His first coming. And so, they had the faith, but He says, you don't know what manner of spirit you're of. I think that's important. Because doesn't it tell us in 2 Timothy 1.7, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. That's part of the Holy Spirit. That's the Spirit of Christ within us. Power, love, and a sound mind. And so, they didn't know what manner of spirit they were of. Now abideth faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. I know you've heard sermons on that before, right? Sunday school lessons and Bible studies. I've heard it perverted in a way. Okay? But that's what the Bible says. Now abides faith. We're doing a series on faith. Hope and love. The greatest of these is love. 
The greatest, I've looked it up to see what it means. It means what you think it would mean. There is a comparison. It means to exceed. It means larger. Okay? It does not mean, and I've heard that passage in love taught, to love to the exclusion of all others. Love to the mocking of, of faith. Love to the mocking of other fruits of the Spirit, for example, or attributes. That it's just all love, love. If you love, you've got it all under control. Uh, that's not what the Bible says. It says the greatest of these is love. Love is greater. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to believe love is greater. It exceeds. It excels. It's beyond faith and hope. It doesn't say faith is useless. We know we have to have faith to please God. We can't be saved without faith in God. The just shall live by faith. So it's not the point of faith or love. That's what I want us to see. And I've heard some pastors that actually made it seem like you're just too dogmatic and legalistic if you're thinking about anything besides love. But all the other things are there as well. He just says the greatest of these is love. Faith exceeds or excels beyond. That's what the Bible says. So it's not faith or love. It's faith and love. It's not, well, you have love, but I have faith. If I have faith, James says, it's going to show itself in works, okay? And if I have true faith in God, He's already told me it works by love. This is how it works. This is how I want it to be effective and effectual and to do and to be mighty. I want your faith to be mighty and show forth itself in love, okay? I think that's what God is teaching. It's not faith or love. It's faith and love. They're both of God. They're both necessary. And we walk with the Lord. Amen. By faith, and we walk with the Lord in love. He wants us to understand true faith works by love. Okay? Men and women of God, trusting in the Lord, believing in His Word, standing on His promises, are to live by faith. And our faith is to show itself or to be mighty in love. So if I'm lacking in love, I can almost say, and I don't want to go too far and make up things, but I would feel that there's something lacking in my faith in God. Because if I really want to be the man of faith that can move mountains or face an army and say, I'm not backing down, I'm serving Christ. I'm not going to bow down to the gods of this world and have the faith to do that. And I don't want to bow down to the gods of this world. And I do want that faith. God is going to show that through my life and it's going to be mighty in my love. Even for the ones that are persecuting me or coming against Christ or coming against me in my life of faith. And so He wants us to understand that love for our Redeemer, love for His Word, love for what He loves, love for His commandments, love for others as He loves others through us, even for those that are, we would consider our enemies, even for those in the church that have hurt us, for example. It's a love for them. And uh, it's not merely faith that can move mountains, but y'all, it's, it's, it's faith that can love our enemies. There's a need for faith in that. And I love them again tomorrow because they've gotten no better but worse and they're no less my enemies. They've hurt me even more since yesterday. Faith to love my enemies. Faith to love people I don't know and am um, disconnected with, have no 
interest in their lives, but faith to love them enough to bring them the gospel. Faith not only can move mountains, but they can move a hardened sinner to repent and give their life to Christ because I love them and they see the love of God in my life and they know that that's different than what they have. Paul said the love of God, Christ constrained him to preach the gospel. Think about it. The constraint of it like held him. It bound him. It kept him from not preaching to God. It, it made him have to preach the gospel. The love of Christ constrained him. Compelled him. He just got to share the gospel. He didn't feel like it maybe sometimes. He was tired or whatever. The love of Christ constrained him to continue to, to minister in the name of the Lord for God's glory to reach people and to tell people about the Lord. It constrained him. Okay? So love that would move us, love in our faith, that would move us to give of our finances, to give of our time, to give of ourselves, to tell others about the Lord. That's how love is. It's not just love and it's not just faith. It's faith working by love and God showing himself through our love. Um, Jesus said, my father worketh hitherto and I work. So he was not lazy, all right? He worked his whole life on this earth. He had to work on the cross and he rose again. He see at the right hand of the Father till he comes back again. He has a work of intercession going on for us in heaven right now. But he says, my father worketh hitherto and I work. But his work was a work of love, was it not? Was he not moved with compassion everywhere he went? The multitudes of people, he was moved with compassion. He was moved with compassion for the Samaritan woman at the well who was a notable sinner. Nothing lovely about her life. You know, living in adultery and had five husbands before this one. And, and he was, loved her. He was moved in compa with compassion. He, his, he worked, but he worked by love. The Bible says that God is love. That's not a definition of God. It's, it's, tell, it's more of a definition of love almost. God is love. Okay? God is love. He was moved with compassion. Y'all, even when he judged people, and he judged a lot, he rebuked the Pharisees. He rebuked, uh, you know, different people even he would have to rebuke. He was still doing that in love. You can be stern. You can be loud. You can be blunt. And still be filled with compassion and love. If someone's, let's say there's a little uh, month, a year and a half old baby of yours somehow got loose and over that fence and was about to run out in front of the traffic and on I-10, you wouldn't be sweet or precious. You would, you would be stern and quick and try to startle them and get their attention and save their life. Sometimes we're doing that. And you can still do that in love. To spare their lives, to spare sinners' lives, sometimes we have to be stern and it still can be in love. Amen? That was my point. Jesus wept over Jerusalem. He was rebuking them and weeping over them. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, now which uh, stones the prophets, you know, killed the prophets and stoned those that are brought to you. How often I would have gathered you under my wings like a, a mother hen gathers her chicks and you would not. Behold, your house is left to you desolate. There was a rejection at his first coming. Israel rejected Christ, but he loved them. He was rebuking them, 
But I'm simply saying he worked, but he worked by love. His work was all of love, even when he had to rebuke or correct. And the Bible tells us that he, Christ is our example. It says in 1 Peter, even Christ was left to us our example that we should follow in his steps, right? So he's not only our example, but he's also our enabler to do those things. He's a pattern, the perfect pattern, to replicate a life after. He's also the power and the authority for me to actually live that way. I need both. I need a pattern. Okay, he's my example that I should follow in his steps. Then I need to say, God, give me the strength to follow in your steps. To love like you do. And so what is that boiling down to? Christ, when he was on the cross, says to his mockers, such hatred was being poured out upon the Lord. I don't know if we can really imagine the cruelty and hatred. Somebody's dying. An innocent man is dying. And they're just ridiculing and mocking and adding salt to the wound, so to speak. And he says, I thirst. And so instead of giving them water, they're just toy with them. Like you toy with a bug on the ground. You know, you have, can, can squash it whenever you want to. They put vinegar up on a stick. Nobody's going to drink vinegar when they're thirsty. They were just tormenting him more. And he says, what? Get them, God. Sick them. No, he says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. There's love. Greater love had no man than this that a man would lay down his life for his friends. Now, I'm to follow in those footsteps. Christ is my example. I've trusted Him. I've put my faith in God, but faith works by love. And so, I think about Stephen. Stephen is the first martyr in the New Testament church. First martyr that we read about. There are Old Testament saints that were that were killed usually by the by the uh, religious God rejectors of their day. Well, Stephen was no exception. He was filled with power and wisdom and the Holy Ghost, and he was he's preaching, and by faith he's publicly proclaiming Christ to the Jews. And I want to just read this. We don't have time to read a turn there, but I'll re- I'll be reading from Acts six, eight, and then chapter seven fifty nine through sixty. Stephen, full of faith, so we know he's filled with faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. Stephen was not one of the apostles. He was a layman, full of faith and wisdom and power of the Holy Ghost that was chosen to serve God. He had a burden on his heart to preach Christ. He's preaching Christ. You know, on the day of Pentecost, it was glorious. 3,000 people got saved. Almost as one man, the, the listeners said, men and brethren, what shall we do? And they got saved. Stephen preaches the same message. Sometime later, loves God just as much as the disciples, just as filled with the Holy Ghost as the disciples. And this day they rejected and stoned him. And it says, and they stoned Stephen, calling up, Stephen calling upon God. He's the one calling upon God. And saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he knelt down and cried with a loud voice. Remember, we're to follow in Christ's footsteps, right? This is what he cried. Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. You know what Stephen did? He spoke the truth in love. 
We, we told that he was filled with faith. He had a faith to get out there and proclaim the gospel publicly like he did and do miracles and signs and wonders. But his faith showed itself out of love, just like Christ did. He followed in his footsteps. And he was, he was martyred. The Lord received him. He's not hurting now. If the Bible says he fell asleep, God delivered him. And his death was his deliverance to bring him to be with the Lord. But you see how his faith worked by love? It worked by love. And so uh, it showed forth itself. It was mighty in love. And y'all, this is not a human love. I think I've made that clear. This is not... Uh, what the world calls love is otherworldly. This is otherworldly love. What Stephen had was not Stephen's love. What Stephen had was not the love he had had maybe grown up in a warm, wonderful family, perhaps. What he had was the love of God in him for his enemies and for Christ's rejectors. It was otherworldly and it has to come from God and it's shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. It was shed abroad in Stephen's heart by the Holy Ghost. I'll bring, bring, bring this to a close. Just like we talked about in our first uh, lesson on faith two months ago. Faith is not, talked about what faith is and what faith isn't. Faith is not some mystical force. Faith is not positive thinking. You know, just gotta look. don't confess that negative thought. It's all, every thought's got to be positive, even if it's a denying of reality. That's not biblical faith, okay? That could be a mental disorder, okay? Uh, faith is not the, my ability to convince uh, myself that what I want is going to come pa to pass because I can convince myself it's going to come to pass. That's not faith. Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Right? Abraham believed the promises of God. Sarah believed in him that he was faithful to give her strength to have a child. She believed, counting him faithful who had promised. And so there's a difference. Faith is not just whatever we want it to be. It's the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And I will say this is about love. Love is not simply a feeling that you and I have. Although love certainly just like God can touch our feelings and emotions and ought to be able to move us with compassion. But love is not merely, let's put it that way, a feeling. Love is not merely romance. Love is not even, listen to this, y'all, love is not even uh, having a strong feeling of pity for people that are less fortunate than yourself. There are a lot of people in the world that have a strong feeling of pity for someone that's poor, or crippled, you know what I'm saying, or something in life is a lot less fortunate. Lost men can do that. True love is of God, and of God only. True love is from God. And it, again, it's shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. It comes to us as we come to know Christ as Savior and Lord by faith. It comes to us as we walk with the Lord and the Holy Spirit's working in us as part of the fruit of the Spirit. It starts with love. Okay, and so it's holy. God's love is holy. It's not perverted. It's not twisted. It's not has no real lie in it. It says in First Corinthians, it's going to be honest and sincere. It's from God and it's 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 for God and it's for others. And it's evidence that we truly have a walk with God. That love separates us. That you know, there's a 
there's a song that says they will know we're Christians by our love. They're not going to know we're Christians because we don't drink alcohol. There's a lot of people in the world that don't drink alcohol for different reasons. They won't know we're Christians by a lot of things we don't do like that. And not saying we should do those things. We should be separate and holy. Okay? They're going to know that we know the Lord by our love. No one ever loved me like this man loves me. No one ever loved me like this woman loves me. And I've been nothing... Uh, I wasn't planning on sharing this, but I want to, I want to share this in closing. Uh, I hope I get it right, because I only heard it once. Some of you all might have heard this example. I heard Paris Reedhead giving this example. And he talked about a real story, a real-life story in about 1855. There was a, a man from, uh, in America who lived somewhere in the East, like Boston or whatever, a wealthy businessman. And he would travel and want to see other parts of the country, going to Chicago and different places. And he made his way down to New Orleans. And at that time, he, uh, there was still a slave trade going on in, in our country. And in New Orleans, was on the river, there was a famous place. There was the, the, the trading block where the slaves were traded. And this man, just out of curiosity, wanted to go see it. And he went to see it. And they were auctioning off a, a woman slave at this time. And evidently, she was very uh, beautiful to look at. She, and so these, this, this man's a businessman. He's, this is new to him, but he's watching it. And he hears, he hears the, uh, some of the men that are bidding. And they're bidding, and they're talk, the bidding's about to open. And they're talking about all the vile things they're going to do with this woman once they get her. We'll just leave it at that. And he's, this guy's listening to this and he's getting furious. And they start bidding and these other men are bidding on this, this woman. And they're snickering and, and, and he's already heard their mindset. Well, he is, the more he listens to this, the angrier he gets. And he finally can't stand it anymore. And he steps up there and he bids twice as much as any of these people have bid. It was more than ever been bid on a slave on that auction block. It's a true story. And everybody was just shocked. They just couldn't believe it. He gets his money out. He, he, he goes up. He pays the auctioneer. And he's, he's kind of, the, the lady's up on the steps. And he takes a few steps up in their eye level. And she's up a step or two higher. And he's going to take her by the hand. And she gets the biggest mouth of spit she can get. And spits it in his face. I hope I can get through this. <laughs> uh, she, he just wipes it off with his sleeve, takes her by the hand, is dragging her down the street to some office. And he goes in, and she's, she's waiting outside there, and he goes in, does his business, and comes out with a piece of paper. And she says, I hate you. He goes, I don't care. And he gave her this piece of paper. And it... And it bought her freedom to, to let her go free. And she goes, oh, I don't believe it, I don't believe it. He goes, here's a piece of paper I'm telling you. I paid for your freedom. You can go, you're free. And she took it and she couldn't believe it. And she just fell down at his feet and said, I love you. I love you. 
I don't want to go free. Wherever you go, I'm going to go. I'm staying with you. And that's just such a picture that we have been freed. Jesus died to set us free. And then in return, we love him. And we serve him because we love him. We don't have to serve him. He's not sitting there with a cattle prod behind us. You know, two more bushels of wheat you got to crank out today. We serve and faith works by love. And that was just such a real life, true life example. And I want to close with this scripture. Now the end of the commandment is love or charity out of a pure heart, out of a good conscience and of faith unfeigned. The end of the commandment, he kind of sums it up. There's all kinds of commandments, and we're to keep them. We're to keep every one of them. We should not disregard any New Testament command for the believer. But he sums it up. Now, the end of the commandment is love. Out of a pure heart, well, that has to be a work of Christ. And out of a good conscience, and out of faith, unfeigned. Uh, unfeigned means uh, like it's, it's genuine, it's sincere. It's without hypocrisy. Amen. And I want to serve God in that way. They're going to know that we're Christians by our love. Faith is going to show itself because God wants it to show itself. Your faith. He wants to show that faith that you have. Praise God you have it. By love. He wants it to work by love. Like I said, even if you're rebuking or doing something correcting or hard, He wants to show it by love. Y'all stand with me. And these altars are open, y'all. And while you're coming, I pray you come to these altars and just get with the Lord and thank Him. There's a passage of Scripture I want to read even while you're praying. I pray that more people would just feel the burden and the liberty to come to the altars and, and meet with the Lord. Just bow before Him. Say what, what you preached and what uh, God, what you've spoken to my heart. I'm going to meet with you at this altar about it. And I, I want you to work it in my life. That's what I think of the altar as. I want to take the message that I heard. And I don't want to be a forgetful hearer. I want to take that word. And I want to come here and say, God, I lack in that love, for example. I need you to strengthen me in that. And I'm going to bow down here before you and ask you to work it in my life. I'm going to read this. The altars are open now. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone that loveth Him that begat, or that birthed us, loves Him also that is begotten of Him. It means we're going to love our Christian brothers and sisters. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep His commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not grievous. For whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world, but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? So he does tell us that we love God, we obey Him by faith, and we obey Him by love. His commandments are not grievous to us. And Father, 